Dragon Warrior, the epic beginning of a new era in video games. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. You know, the epic beginning of a new era in video games is a pretty ballsy take for anybody, but JRPGs are a huge part of the you know video game atmosphere and it's still around today and everything, and this is the first one we've been talking about dragon warrior for a long time on the show just like the build up to it and how excited we are to play a, a jrpg on the nes maybe the epic beginning of a new era in video games isn't uh too much hyperbole here i, I was gonna ask like is so that was on the original box like that's not a reissue or something that's been said recently that was just when this came out that is the big bold letters on the back of the box incredible wow yeah that a lot of foresight there uh, well, I would say it's a, I would just say it's kind of you know like narcissistic, but you know. Well, maybe that too. I think um, at this point, though, because of the way you know it was going in Japan with releases, I don't even know what Dragon Quest game they were up to in on the Famicom by now. But it was already like such a big deal in Japan that they even had like people taking the day off to play the new Dragon Quest game. <laughs> so maybe they thought like. The success, the success of Super Mario Brothers doing so well in Japan and then also doing so well in North America was, like, going to happen again for Dragon Quest to Dragon Warrior? Yeah, yeah I can see that. makes that. sense. I, I kind of forgot that we're on a delay here um, with these games, and so they already have something to compare it to. Yeah, I mean, they even have, you know, Final Fantasy over there already. Yeah, and, and, and it feels like this... You know, we've had games that are, like, I would call, like, a precursor to feeling like this, like, this kind of JRPG. And I guess this is, like, the the next step to feeling, like, really JRPG, like, sprawling world adventure. Um, but it's not exactly, like, fully there. So I, I think it is a, you know, it is an interesting thing to look back on where they're saying, like, this is the beginning of a new era. And then, like, it almost, it almost coincidentally became the beginning of a new era. Yeah, I think, like... You know, for our generation, guys, like, you know, Pokemon Red and Blue, in a really weird way, was the introduction to our generation of, like, turn-based battles. Not necessarily JRPGs. I wouldn't even call Pokemon a JRPG, but, like, some tropes of of that, um, of the video game mechanics, and definitely, you know, turn-based battles and that idea. But, you know, that was, like, the gateway to, like, okay, well, I played Pokemon Red, and then, like, you know, you might discover Final Fantasy as a result of that, or other, um, you know, Nintendo-related RPG-style games. Dragon Quest is not quite the gateway. It's actually like the the beginner's book, you know? It just creates a lot of these JRPG mechanics for the very first time. And they're still around today. And yeah, they are basic concepts that now like every game just like, it's not even something you think about putting in. You just put it in because that's how the battle systems and the world mechanics are designed. But, you know, you've got turn-based battles, leveling up, you know the idea the idea and thought of grinding uh being able to save your progress uh using magic exploring a large map joe you kind of said that you know we did see this with even just like ultima right like that was a western version of an rpg but it's not the first time we're seeing uh, this stuff i think it's just important to note that like dragon warrior is doing it in a way where it's 
you know, so basic that it actually allows anybody to to get in and figure it all out, right? It's not yeah, as complex. Definitely, definitely. And, and also just something about this, I mean, looking at it from, you know, from the present day perspective, this does feel more like what I'm used to in a JRPG than Ultima Exodus did. Oh yeah, I mean, this is this is a very comfortable game for me. Like it it's it's a lot of the the same concepts that I grew up on, um, and and you can tell that like not much has really changed here in terms of basic JRPG design. But in terms of Ultima, like that that sort of felt like this really weird like Bizarro game where uh, there were some aspects that I recognize, but they were all sort of like through this weird filter of not quite D and D, not quite JRPG. Um, whereas this is like. A, a very clear lineage uh, to where I started playing these kinds of games. Yeah, yeah, it feels like um, it's much more refined in in in, the, in that sense. Whereas whereas Ultima felt like it was like not. It was something <laughs> like they didn't understand how to make it. You know, like they they understand what they wanted. They didn't understand how it would best work on a video game console. Yeah. Yeah, you could say that this streamlines a lot of adventure aspects that you would find in even tabletop gaming. And, you know, some people would say that some of the features in this game now are, you know, even obtuse for the time. Like being able to have like a, a an action command for stairs so that you go down the stairs or uh, not just pressing the A button for the treasure chest. Like you actually have to say, take. Um, these are things that like, <laughs> it's it's uh it's both establishing these ideas and concepts but also um taking a step back from modern uh not modern games but modern games of that time in 1989 like things that we're more familiar with in other games that aren't RPGs. Yeah, I'm not really sure if I would consider that like a a breakthrough or um uh, or something to build upon, but I'm sure we'll get into that. <laughs> well, you're talking about the command menu. Still? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it is like <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember exactly how Ultima worked. Not to keep comparing it to Ultima, but like it is like a refinement in the sense that like the things you can do are much less. And like, yeah, it's just really weird that you have to <laughs> that you have to select the stairs command to walk upstairs that you're already standing on. Like, what else are you going to do to the stairs? But uh, but. At least it, it never got like so complicated where I was like, where I was thinking, so what do I do with this? It was always just like one extra step than what I'm used to, to, to interact with anything. But would either of you be able to pretend for a minute that uh, you didn't play the game, right? Or that you aren't familiar with, uh, you know, let's say 20 to 30 years of various JRPG knowledge. If you just like, came into the world of Dragon Warrior, maybe perused the manual a little bit, but didn't, like, sit down with it as a guidebook. When you start up this game and you're given the assignment and you're locked in that room and, and there's the three treasure chests, right? The The idea of, like, how the game presents the information to you. You know, we were talking about, like, Legend of Zelda and how they let you go without the sword, right? Like, it's up to you to go into that very obvious cave and collect the sword, I'd I'd argue that Dragon Warrior kind of does the same thing with the idea that nobody has ever done this before, so we need to kind of like show them without directly saying like, "Hey, you know, there's a there's a key in this door, and you can you know press the take button and then press the door button." You know, like they just they let you figure these things out this way. You understand how the mechanics work, but even just like 
random encounters isn't something that like there's no tutorial there's no spelling it out for you you just find out like oh i got a battle to grind to level up to get stronger to battle other enemies uh you know what do you think about that introduction yeah i think it it does do some of the same things um but in but in some st- in some cases it almost does like the opposite where where legend of zelda puts you on that first screen and and expects that the player will will just be curious enough to explore and and find these things that teach them whereas dragon warrior locks you in a room until you do these couple of tasks that will teach you how to do those tasks throughout the rest of the game so it's like a little bit of a different of a different well, that's mindset. the complete opposite like that is um you have to cross this threshold um whereas like something like zelda um will will let you figure it out on your own um or this one, it's it's quite literally a gate that you have to unlock. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. But but I was going to say that the um to to uh, address what you were saying, Mike, about the random encounters. That's where I do feel like it feels a little more Zelda-like, where um where like that is just like you'll just learn because it's it's. it's I mean, I guess you also still in in that case. Now that I think about it, have no choice but to but to kind of figure it out in that battle or die <laughs> as as a. Uh, serious as that sounds but um but yeah you'll you'll just decide like okay well i guess i'll attack and you'll see that you do damage and you'll you'll, it'll just teach you rather than like um it literally teaching you yeah and you can go as far as you really want to in the opening map um you know much to your own peril of course but if, if you don't even choose to just like stay near the castle and just fight the nearby enemies there's a lot i mean yes some of it's locked off but there's a lot of places you can cross the bridge all the way to the other continent you can go all the way up to the uh northwest and and go to the other town up there in the desert you can explore a cave like there's nothing that says uh exactly what you need to do next it's up to you to talk to the npcs and and get the clues and yes they're not like riddles or anything they are kind of hitting you over the head with where to even just like what direction to walk in but i think there's something to that too uh you know comparing it again to legend of zelda of just like the scale of the game impressed me because it wasn't just like go to this town do this thing go to the next town like a lot of it you know was spent trying to figure out like you know when is it time to move on when do i feel comfortable moving on should i grind to gain a bunch of gold to buy this sword or am i comfortable with my club like can i move on without it yeah because i think a lot of the a lot of games that were um that we're used to uh in this like jrpg setting like they're all sort of story gates like you you're supposed to hit this part of the story and then do this thing um whereas this very much is just level gated like you have to grind and grind and grind and it doesn't matter who you talk to i mean you should be talking to people to to get an idea of where key items are but uh where you should be is entirely uh just based on what level you're at and uh so so there isn't that information of like okay uh i hit this story beat so now it's time to go to this island or or this uh dungeon uh you just sort sort of have to prod at the wilderness and see uh are are these enemies that i can handle and if they are then maybe and they're a little bit more difficult than i'm used to but i can still handle them 
maybe this is where I'm supposed to go. So uh, it, it's a completely different way of thinking about progression, uh, I guess, sort of uh, in, a, in a weird way. It, it, it's, it's simpler, but I had to sort of unlearn what I had learned in other games. Yeah, I think that you know my favorite type of of progression in a JRPG like this, particularly thinking of like the PS1 Final Fantasy games or even the Super Nintendo Final Fantasy games where you 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 have that experience where you are not sure if you're powerful enough to move on even if you have the story information where you know where to go and Rather than just saying, okay, well, I better stand here and grind and, and go to this forest and fight a bunch of enemies, there are other things to do in the world that that give you that, like, experience of grinding without feeling like you're just exclusively grinding. It feels like you're exploring the world. It feels like you're still playing the game. Um, and this Dragon Warrior did what I would consider, like, half of that in the sense that it gave you the the need to to grind and feel like I can explore the world, but it didn't really have a lot to do that felt satisfying outside of the actual battles that weren't yeah there's no explicit side quests it's just sort of you uh fumbling around not really knowing where to go and then you end up grinding even though in the manual it tells you to grind uh as soon as you start but i mean you know i think i think we can get out of the way right now that grinding is a a huge part of this game (laughs) i thought there's no no avoiding that Joe, that's an interesting segue, though, too, about the um, just the scale of the game and what happens in the game, right? If we just uh, focus on, you know, not the story beats, right? Not like what, not how the story evolves, but just how you play the game. Does this really feel like a game where anything could happen? Like the the size of the game itself, like the map is bigger than what we're used to, and um, you know, you go to a lot of different towns, and there are caves to explore and stuff like that, but. Once you like get through like let's say the first hour of the game, were you still thinking that you could be surprised, or were you maybe a little worried that you had seen it all? Um, I mean, I definitely, I can't, I can't really remember how I was feeling in that moment. But looking back, I mean, I definitely found. I guess it depends on what you're what you're asking by like surprises. I, I found things that would surprised me a little bit later in the game where it's like oh this type of enemy is is stronger i haven't seen this type of enemy before which is a minor a minor thing um and also stuff like you know you get at one point you get a like a reverse pokey flute you get a flute that will put people to sleep and i don't know if it only puts the one enemy that i ended up using it on to sleep or if you can use it on other enemies but like things like that did end up or or items that I could buy that were useful spells that I would gain that would give me different abilities that turned out to be at least some of them surprisingly useful in and outside of battle so like that was a a little more than I expected from this very early JRPG I expected the spells to be kind of basic and and not do much and there were a few that that would pop up and yeah um, yeah go uh- on. I mean, like, I, it's, to answer Mike's question as well, like, I, after an hour, figured, like, no, this is, this is the game. And yeah, there's going to be new enemies and bigger bosses or, uh, and, uh, a couple different, like, story snippets. But I was pretty sure that this was it. Like, the, the base combat doesn't really change. Uh, there's, it's just attack, run, use item. There's some magic with, and a couple of them have status effects. 
Uh, nothing really gets more complex as you go on. It's an, it's a, a magnitude of numbers game. Like if you have a higher level, you're going to beat things. There's no like rock, paper, scissors, elemental, uh, any of these like very basic tropes that have grown out of, uh, standard RPGs over the years. Like it, it just is what it is. And, uh, like the more things happen, but th- there's nothing that really surprised me, like you were saying, aside from, a couple things at the end. Right, and I think that's what I was getting at too, is just, you know, this is these aren't knocks against this game because it's such an early game, but in other JRPGs, you might uh, acquire a new party member. You are the only, there is no party in this game. You're the sole warrior that takes on the quest. Or you might learn a new technique uh, that opens up a new uh, menu option in your combat uh, where it's not just attack or spell you know um you might change your class or something like that these things don't happen so the surprises aren't there even just like overworld surprises you know in final fantasy there's always the trope of different vehicles becoming your method of traveling uh throughout the world and in this one you're just on foot for the entirety of the game so a lot of the game um that's impressive right at the start you know it was like wow this is a big step in the you know nes when you explore the games like how we are chronologically but at the same time, once you realize what this game is, a lot of it is just, uh, like Sean was saying, a numbers game where you're going to the new town or going back to an old town to get something. And in the meantime, you are just constantly, constantly going through random encounters to um, to do almost like an idle clicker, uh, yeah. you know, like a cookie <laughs> clicker game yeah. style thing where you are just watching the numbers on the left-hand side of your screen. They just count up. And you're just like, cool, once I hit this number, I'll be satisfied. And then, you know, if you're like me, you all of a sudden start changing the number. You're like, oh, well, that other number is getting closer to a nice rounder number, too. So I'll just hang out a little longer. But that's besides the point. I think it's time that we actually do talk about the combat here, uh, you know, and just how these battles work because it is a little different than even um you know most JRPGs that we're used to because of the one-on-one nature of these battles. Yeah, I mean it's it's still it's it's still very familiar like you have your attack, magic list, escape and item. Um but uh the only things that can really change in terms of uh like turn order are like you can get up uh, you can be attacked preemptively um, but usually you're going to go first and then just going to go you, them, you, them. Um, and it's it's really just keep your HP up and uh, still do some damage. Be- uh, yeah, it, it's it's pretty simple. Uh, you can you can also have them skip turns by putting them to sleep and they can just sort of do the same to you with like time stop and stuff like that. Uh, if you've played any turn based RPG, you, you've you've played a version of this. Yeah, I would say that there's not, there's probably not as much strategy involved uh, compared to really any other JRPG. You know, it's like it's like the it's like the RPG battle system boiled down to its like most basic form. So it really is just: do I attack? Do I use my like one damaging spell? Do I use a status effect or do I heal? And like that's it. And 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 the fact that uh, that you don't have other party members. Really, just makes it where you can't think like, okay, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have my warrior do this while my thief does that while my healer does this, so I can you know really plan out 
how I want to time things out. This is just, what are you doing this turn? Okay, what are you doing yeah. this turn? Just a race to zero. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and because they're always one-on-one battles, it, you know, it it doesn't add as much complexity as even once you figure out the battle system in other games, right? You still have to think about, like, what each party member is going to do or which monster is best to take out first because, like, you know, maybe there's one big strong one and three little rats or something, and you're like, well, I'm going to take out the three rats first or, you know, maybe the opposite. That This game doesn't have that because it's always one-on-one, so it, it kind of runs into this thing where you you have very little variety until you discover the new enemy, which might just be... Um, it'll have a new name too, but it might just be a new color of yeah. like the scorpion or whatever, or the, or the Drake. Um, but you know, once you have those, um, once you learn how to fight that enemy, as long as you're like monitoring your HP, I didn't find myself uh, changing things up too often, right? Like, no. if I was in a situation where if I was up against like something where I realized, oh, I'm in a zone where they expect me to be a much higher level than I am, I'll use my magic here. Because I need to get away from this fight, but I'd like the experience points. Whereas if I go back and I'm just dealing with, you know, slimes or whatever, I'm like, why not just, you know, attack, 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 and yeah. just slowly try to whittle away. I mean, uh, there are certain parts, uh, there are certain areas where once you get to a certain level, like every enemy in that area can be taken down with one attack. So you don't really have to worry about your HP there or your MP there. Um, and. Uh, you, you'll just sort of learn that, like, okay, th- in this region, I don't have to worry about anything. In this one, I might get thrown a curveball with like a magician or something. And uh, as you as you move on, like, you can do these larger scale strategies of like it, it's not like a, a combat to combat strategy, uh, or like I guess when you're in combat, but it's more of a uh, a planning uh, your trip strategy, like. Uh, sort of like going from this low level area to this medium level area to this low level area again and just sort of planning what you're going to do for each of those. You're not really thinking about each individual uh battle. Yeah, in the game to that to that point the game I'll say does do a good job of incentivizing you to to move on to more difficult areas when when you've like outgrown a lower level area where it's like yeah, I can take on everyone in this area with no problem and and gain the experience and the gold they're giving away but all of the prices of everything i need has gone up exponentially enough that yeah it will take me forever to get any to get enough gold if i'm only fighting these guys so i gotta go take my chances in the place where i'm still in danger and then come back and 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 do that but but get a lot more money for putting myself in that danger and, and like that's a basic rpg trope that happens you know in, in every rpg i've ever played but i think this is just the first time we've really seen it be so significant to yeah, us b- on the boiled NES. down and purified to that <laughs> right right i was also kind of surprised at the rate of random encounters i expected it to be a more like frequent thing like an, a, a nuisance you know that's it's kind of something that happens uh, in most jrpgs is like every three steps an enemy just appears or something sometimes you have to really like walk a while to get a good uh to get a good in- enemy well, encounter i've found I, I fa- yeah go ahead sorry i think you're gonna say what i think you're gonna say what i'm about to say but say it i found that it, the only thing i could expect was that it was going to be it uh it was gonna be unexpected the amount of times i had to walk like sometimes i would walk three steps like you said and run into an enemy sometimes i'd walk one step and run into an enemy sometimes i could walk halfway across a continent 
and not run into an enemy. Like it, it was just completely random. Absolutely. Yeah, I felt like I would have long periods of time where one of those things were happening. Like the game was switching back and forth. Like, oh, for the next ten minutes, you're not going to run into any. Mi- you're going to run into one enemy every minute, and then okay, the next ten minutes, you're going to run into one enemy every step. I was just like, how come sometimes it feels maybe it's the area I'm in, but sometimes it would feel like every step I take, I'm in a battle over and over and over again. Well, a little, and then sidebar. suddenly that would go away. Yeah, a little sidebar. Uh, the. The RNG for this game has been found out. I watched a, a speed run that you may or may not have watched, but um, this guy games the RNG so that he like basically gets no random encounters. So uh, it, it's not. I don't think it's it's area by area, but it's it unless you know to the T what you have to do, it's gonna feel random. <laughs> yeah, my understanding was it was actually. Um, and you know this probably comes in with the RNG as well. Is that it depends on the type of tile you're on. It, it, that calculates the odds. So like, um, the desert has like the highest odds of an enemy spawning with like a one in eight chance. But most like just regular grass tiles have a one in thirty two chance. And I'm not sure if that's just like something that constantly gets re rolled each step you take. So like in in a field. You just constantly always have a one in thirty-two chance every step you take, or not? Basically, but, uh, what happens is um, each like you, you get a seed, like any sort of RNG sort of thing, um, and that's based on stuff like your name, uh, the amount of gold you have, the the stats that you have, um, and then when when you're taking when you're moving, like you're like those those odds sort of exist, but they're like baked in. Like, so if you have the same name and the same amount of gold, and, and if you walk in one direction, you will always hit the same enemy on that same step. So if you, yeah. if you can manipulate that, then you can sort of see that, like, it, it very much is that simple. But yeah, I mean, unless you go that far, uh, and, and like, sort of like the, uh, the odds reset when you stop moving. Um, so as, if you, as long as you go that, f- as long as you don't go that far, and you sort of hesitate some, it's going to be random. <laughs> but yes, with those odds. And just talking about the random encounters, it doesn't have to be Dragon Warrior related here, but I feel like, you know, since it's something that we haven't had really yet, what are your guys' thoughts on random encounters in JRPGs anyway? Like, what what is the, you know, some people have a tolerance for this stuff, other people would just wish that every battle was either, like, uh, meaningful or seen on screen, like you were able to know that you were about to um, attack uh, enemies, like similar to Chrono Trigger handles it, you know, where you can see them on the screen and then you walk up to them and the battle just starts fresh. Uh, you know, Joe, what are your thoughts on Random Encounter? Well, I, I hear a lot of people today talk about how Random Encounters are are outdated and, and, and should go away. And, and I guess I have a little more of a tolerance for them than that 
I do find, like, if I go back and play, not to bring it back to Final Fantasy, but if I go back and play other Final Fantasy games, old Final Fantasy games that have been, like, remastered or re-released, and they always give you that option to turn off random encounters, I do find myself using that a lot. Um, and then turning them on when I want to grind and want to gain levels. So, like, maybe I'm a little bit of a hypocrite in that sense. Um, but I, I, I like, I like, you know, the idea that if you go at least into like a dungeon that you feel that sense of danger where you're you're thinking i need to heal i need to get out of here because danger lurks literally around every corner i mean every step i take could present me with an enemy um and on that like note i, I usually prefer games that that let you have the option to eventually get an ability that helps you or or like in this you have uh, what is like fairy water or or something that help that allows you to have the choice to not have random encounters, or even in like some Final Fantasy games, you can just get abilities to turn them off, like within the gameplay. Um, I like that because it's kind of like the best of both worlds, where it's like you have to kind of earn it, you have it, you can turn it on and off, and and you also get punished for not doing random encounters naturally because if you never do any random encounters, you're going to be under leveled. So, so I I think it's a little more balanced than a lot of people uh, seem to feel these days. But I mean, it's just that's just personal preference. Uh, they can definitely be done wrong. Yeah, my uh, ability to to tolerate random encounters uh, depends entirely on how how much I like the battle system. Like, I can play Final Fantasy seven, eight, ten. Like any, I, I could play those random encounters and not really feel bothered by them unless it's like a Malboro or something. Uh, because I genuinely enjoy playing those battles and seeing the spectacle of magic and summons or just like seeing big numbers happen like i i enjoy that that's satisfying um, but there are other uh rpgs that i don't particularly like the battle system and that usually means i'm not really going to finish the game but it also means that i'd prefer there not to be random encounters so it, it just like do i like battling or not that that's sort of my yeah. opinion on it you know, what, one more thing you just made me think of, too, that, I, that I've actually been putting a lot of thought into lately because, um, you know, a couple months ago I was on a, a Final Fantasy kick and I, I replayed I replayed 8 and I played 9 for the first time and I picked up 10 for like the 10th time. And, and, I, and I, love the, I love the battle system and the story. I'm fascinated by the story of 10, but... The the fact that ten is so linear and I don't get to explore and I don't get to feel like I have agency yeah. and I feel like I'm walking a path to get another random encounter to continue on that path to get another random encounter and I have no <laughs> choice. Like the random encounters feel like a nice compliment to like me wanting to explore and go out into danger when it feels like it's homework where it's like I have nothing to do in between random encounters except for walk until I get another random encounter and hope I run into a boss or a cutscene soon. <laughs> that's what, that's why I've never been able to get through Final Fantasy X as much as I love the rest of the ideas of the game is because it, I just get, I get burnt out on it after a while. Like I feel like random encounters work really well if you have, uh, if your gameplay loop is, yeah. is, is, is keeping me captivated otherwise. I, I sort of think like even though it's the opposite problem, of like this very linear game uh, where you're waiting for cutscenes and bosses, but it sort of is the same. It's it's the same problem too with Dragon Warrior because unless you know where to go, uh, you are just sort of and yes, you're exploring, but you're exploring very similar environments. 
Uh, yeah, with you, nothing to do with nothing that. to do. You're, you're just sort of yeah. walking around, getting into random encounters, and then you might take two steps and get into another random encounter. So uh, it, you're right. Like it, it is it, it, it's it's a really uh, ticky tacky thing where I, I don't really know what if I can have a definitive answer uh, uh, about these things. I was surprised even just to see Dragon Warrior have options, though, like um, the, there's the repel spell so that you can walk a certain amount of steps without even getting into an encounter. But also, uh, I forget, it might be something you wear or an item you get, uh, but that basically anything that's you know less powerful than you will no longer be something that you randomly encounter. Like if your defense stat is higher than its attack stat, you just don't run into it anymore. And I was surprised to see something like that so early on because I think those kinds of solutions help make it so that you're not constantly just fighting blue slimes all <laughs> over the map. Now, granted, they shouldn't be placing them in um, areas other than the beginning anyway. But speaking of just placing enemies, it's really funny if you, for some reason, do feel like exploring. Very early on, there is a way to run into um, a series of, I guess they're, they're hills because the mountains you can't walk over. There's hills at, like, the southern end of the map yeah. that have scorpions. I ran into that. Yeah, and it's like you're just screwed if you're, like, level two and you're trying to fight scorpions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have. A, I feel like you have a couple of options of places to go that you will just be completely outmatched early on, which is right. nice to come back to later and, and, and see that you've progressed and see you can just kick anything's ass that comes at you. But sometimes it feels a little uh, not particularly balanced. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, do I prefer the games where the JRPGs where it's just like the enemies are out there and they endlessly spawn, right? It's not like you there's a finite amount of experience to have, but like they're just out there in the overworld and you have to run up to them to uh, to start the fight. You know, maybe I prefer that, but I also think that sometimes it, there's a surprise to like, okay, well, I have 14 HP left and the town is over there. And I think I can get in one more battle for experience points because I want to save my gold at the inn. And it's like, don't get greedy. Like, you you might just want to check into the town and call it a day. Uh, I do like that. And that's something that you could completely avoid in games where all the all the battles are conveyed to you on screen. Yeah, I got one example. Uh, and this will be the last thing I say on the matter um, is Persona 5. Like, that is the only modern JRPG that I've played in the last, like, five years. Um uh, and that is a game where your enemies are they just show up on like the dungeon like it, it, while you're playing when you're when you're walking around and i don't know i i kind of didn't like it I, I maybe it's just the old school in me uh, of of like the old school final fantasy stuff but uh i i, I it just felt wrong <laughs> catch up with something Sean said a long time ago that I feel like now is appropriate to talk about since we're talking about the grinding and stuff like that. You said that the game isn't story locked. It's just level locked in the sense that you'll go to a new area and quickly realize that you've been outmatched and you can't be exploring here because there's a high probability that you'll die. So you go back to the 
earlier part of the area that you were hanging out in. You grind there for as long as necessary to either buy the new weapon or level up your stats. But I can't help but notice that these area gateways, right, of like new enemies being introduced to you, it's not just like, oh, I'm level four and I need to be level five. A lot of times it's like two to three levels per area. Would you guys agree with that? Like it it takes a, a load of grinding to move on, not just one level. It's not very granular. It, it, it's it's pretty. They're pretty high jumps. So you will have to grind or mindlessly explore for a long time uh, before uh, you can go from one to the other. Yeah, and, and I also personally felt that my level. I had a harder time figuring out how much my level was contributing because as I was going up level, I was giving getting more gold and buying better armor. And I felt like the I was armor and weapons and shields, and I felt like those are what really felt like they were making the difference to me. And I'm sure the level, you know, obviously it was increasing my attack and defense as well, but it, it felt like the armors, like getting enough gold to get the new armor, was when I felt comfortable to like, oh, now I'll go explore that area because this armor is is making it significantly easier, or yeah. the sword is making it one hit kills for all these enemies that used to give me trouble. Yeah, I definitely felt that too. And the, the the way the leveling up works, too, I agree with you there, Joe, because the reward between each level does feel kind of s- small unless you're getting a new magic uh, spell, in which case then it's like, oh, cool, like, I should try this out in combat or see what it does, blah, 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 and, you know, see if it's worth incorporating into my um, my battles with the current enemies that I'm dealing with. But, you know, leveling up in general is a weird thing because, uh, similar to all the other RNG stuff we're ta- we were talking about, like, it's your name the first four letters of your name are like what tie your stats that you level up on and like so certain names have like better strength and other ones level up defense so like yeah i would i would argue that the leveling up aspect like going from level four to five meant less to me than uh changing from a club to a sword yeah specifically because like you know those are also giving you like you know the club does plus two attack damage and the sword i'm making this all up i don't know but this and the sword does plus five so you're immediately getting a plus three stat boost that a level up might not necessarily give you depending on what name you picked yeah i didn't realize that the rng uh you guys were talking about also would i didn't know that it affected your experience but um that is crazy i didn't know that yeah there's some weird name combos like if you do um link uh you know like legend of zelda link Uh, apparently you have um, like great strength stats but bad defensive stats and I'm not sure why that would be the case I feel like you know it's probably just an error like people people probably would tell you that like if you put in this guy's name he has great this and great that but there is um if you put test t-e-s-t in all capitals as your name you do start off with the best possible stats (laughs) um for the game granted all of these best possible stats things like it's not like um it's like level 1.5. Right, right. By the time you get to level 15, it doesn't even really matter anymore like of what your name was. But it does matter early on, which I think is a strange decision to make. But you can also choose Enix, who is the um, the company. And I think they uh, also give you like uh, amazing defense or something like that. So there is some fun to be had with the names too. So try out some other ones. <laughs> I'll start my playthrough over. There you go. There you go. As XJZ... A, a exclamation point! X, X, isn't that like a Nickelodeon "My Life as a Teenage Robot" uh, XJ Nine character name? I've XJ never 9. heard of what you're talking about. 
It's a great show, Sean. It's not. It's not new either. It's it's from. No, um, it was like it was like maybe like maybe we were like slightly <laughs> slightly getting to the point where we were too old to watch that show. But you know, I still, okay, still caught it here and there. You know, or at least me. I, me and Sean are a little older than you, right? It's yeah. All right. You guys, you guys worked there. <laughs> Speaking of playthroughs, I, I think it's about time we talk about the story of the game and just the, the progress that that uh, makes you feel because we, we've, um, we've managed to like talk a lot about the game without talking about the objective of the game. And, you know, to, to sum it up the best I can, like, you don't have a name. You're just the descendant of this guy. I forget if they do it in the NES game or not, but, you know, if you just look on Wikipedia, it's Erdrick, who is, like, one of the... That is Erdrick, common, yes. Yeah, common Dragon Quest characters. Um, you play as a descendant of his, so you're just the hero, and um, you've been assigned by the king to rescue Princess Gwalyn, who um, has been taken by uh, the evil Dragon Lord, and um, once you rescue the princess defeat uh, the evil dragon lord all peace will be restored however you're going to need to just like in most jrpgs you got to collect a certain amount of things to open the passageway to get to the dragon lord and um you know that's it the way that you yeah yeah, that's it for the story but i guess like the way you figure out what to do next in this game is something that like you know requires talking to characters like you can just walk around and discover new towns and stuff like that but there are things that you need to do either within the towns or caves that you need to go to that i feel like if you just try to brute force your way through this game you'd spend so much longer than just talking to the npcs and i'm not sure why that's a thought i'm even happen having like who would refuse to talk to the npcs but it's just like similar to castlevania 2 simon's quest like you need to talk to everybody to get the lay of the land. I think they're just a little more helpful. Oh in yeah, this game. Uh, they're definitely a lot more literal uh, and and less uh, obtuse uh, with what they say. And in some ways, it, it's it's not even just like not bad like Castlevania Two, but it also almost felt like oh, I'm playing an RPG because I went up to this little sandy area in the northwest corner and just you know oh, I'm gonna poke into this cave and see what's down there and uh lo and behold there is a like a story tablet that sort of tells you what you need to do that hasn't been really explained yet and i I thought that 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 was that was like the one little feeling of discovery that i felt in any of these early rpgs so far where it, it felt organic it felt like i actually discovered something um, and then I didn't really feel that again because the rest of it was like talking to people that said, do you know where Gwalyn is or something like that? Um, but it, it was definitely m- done much more elegantly than something like Castlevania. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, the, when you talk to all these people, I felt like th- there were a lot of things in this game that we've sort of talked about in other games where it's it'll be like, oh, go to this random tile and turn to the left and press A. That's what you're supposed to do next is what the walkthrough tells you. But, like, nothing would ever tell you. and Like, no one would ever get that. I don't know how people in the 80s got some of this stuff with with some of these other games or, like, how would you know to go there? Where this game, 
did a pretty good job of at least always making those things feel like you can get there without a guide. Now, there were a couple of times there was something, I don't remember what the item was, there was an item that you needed that was right below that pool. There's like a, oh, there's yes, like a little pool in that thing, t- right? that, Yeah. And, and I'm, I, I had enough good experiences with, with NPCs telling me information that I was able to use to find something that I would never, otherwise not be able to find or solve some little, little mystery that I'm confident that, or optimistic at least. Uh, I'm optimistic that there is someone somewhere in the game that I missed that would have guided me there or something. Maybe not. Maybe that's like the like one of their oversights. Because when I got there, the, um, sorry, aren't they in the town um, after you cross the the cave with the uh, you know? Okay, so the first pl- it's on the east side of the map. Yeah, when you go you to go I don't remember the name of any of these towns, and you go to that like poison area where every step mm-hmm. you take does two damage and then you're in a cave that's yep. basically like the underground tunnel thing right yeah yeah, yes. yeah you straight shoot down yeah, you go to that other continent right yes and you go to that other continent in the in the next town that's there in that desert i believe someone in that town does tell you about the fountain okay so but, that's but so also, i just got the fountain item much earlier by looking at a guide <laughs> but it's also though like a bit more intuitive across the board like if i go to a town and every town is just like a combination of an inn, uh, an armorer, like uh, some other weird stuff. And then I go to a town and I see this uh, this fountain that'll cure rheumatism. Like that that stands <laughs> yeah. out. Like I feel like that's gonna like it's gonna be it's gonna come into play at some point. Um, so I can keep that in the back of my head, and it's not like I have to go to this one area and then kneel for five seconds until a whirlwind takes me away. It's well, it's, uh, I I agree and I don't because with the fountain I was the whole time I was like, what is the deal with this fountain? I was trying things, but what the guide tells you is go four paces, four tiles below the the fountain. Oh. And press and press. A. I didn't get to this part. So like I never would have gotten. That. Like I never would have gotten. But maybe there is someone in that town uh, to the south that Mike was talking about that says like something very specific like that because they've done a lot of other specific things like that in this game. But just with my experience, that was the first one where I was like, "What the heck? Why? How would I know that?" But that was the only one in this game so far, which I didn't beat, but I got significantly far. And uh, the rest of those like little things, I felt like I had all of the information necessary to figure it out on my own. You know, one thing I really like about just the, the towns in general is the towns that you come into, even early in the game, it's not like, this is where I am in the story right now, and then see you, town, I never need you again in my life. Like, there are... There's some endgame items in even some of the earlier towns, uh, like the um, the magic armor and um, the iron axe. Like, there's some things that are like you're gonna need to acquire like 800 gold or 5,000 gold or 7,800 gold in these early towns. That's like, oh, cool that they're just like not saving this all for some like endgame thing. But like, if you really wanted to grind or or not feel like this world is just a series of um, staircases that you just keep climbing up and never going back down. I like that um, that the towns felt like they were something that you should revisit rather than just like you know. And you, I, I wasn't keeping track of like I wouldn't write down what shopkeepers have what, so I'd go back to the towns and make sure like, hey, do I do I have a good amount of gold? Like, do I have everything I need from this town? Oh, cool. You know, like I don't have the iron axe. So yeah. Let me pick that up. 
I mean, yeah, I would I would, would still pick where to go based on like the the rates at the hotel. You know, I mean, I don't want right. to spend so much gold just to hang out in this little forest village. Yeah, and, and I feel like you would just sort of naturally pick up on like some things where you know where we would. I, I played this with a friend of the show, Mark Pascalato, so we <laughs> would talk a lot about like back and forth about like which towns to go to, and we'd be like, oh, like I really need some, you know, I really need some of blank, and 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 one of us would be like, oh, I think that town up north sold that, and we would so we'd make it like part of our journey to go to these towns we've been to before, and like. And, and find things because that's a yeah i like the fact that not every town sells the same things and it's not just oh you got to the next town it's going to sell all the things the last town did plus more so you never need to go there are reasons to go back and there are reasons to like kind of learn the world and learn the map a little bit and there's also like funny people in the town too that don't necessarily help you or anything but they they say stuff i think it's in the um first town or the, maybe the castle town uh it's either the first town next to the castle or the castle town itself where there's just a girl walking around um, in, like, the grass, and you, if you talk to her, she's like, I am not Princess Gwaylin. And just, like, the idea that, like, you would, you're given the mission to save Princess Gwaylin, and then you just go outside, and you're like, oh, I found her. Like, <laughs> I think that's funny. Uh, you know, there's some there's some quips. I think in the world of Dragon Quest slash Warrior, um, uh, th- that's just sort of a, a regional joke, because there seems to be a girl in each town that says that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, got it. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't, I didn't talk to everybody, but there's also like, um, you know, if you ha- if you buy the magic keys or whatever, and you open the treasure room, there's a, you know, a guard inside. Who, if you talk to him, he'll say like, you know, hey, what the hell? Like, this isn't your stuff. Like, obviously, it doesn't say exactly that, but like, you know, he's telling <laughs> you like, don't come in here and steal this shit. And when you open up all the chests, it makes up like just enough money that the cost of the magic key was. So it's also just teaching you, like, don't do this shit. Uh, whereas in, like, Legend of Zelda games, you just break um, every vase you see with the hopes of getting some rupees. <laughs> so it had some personality, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It wasn't, like, laugh out loud funny or anything, and it wasn't, like, bad puns either. So it was, like, a nice balance of just, like, the occasional, like, oh, this is a... They're trying to make this feel like a, a world rather than just, like... The whole quest, the whole ge- the our whole existence revolves around you saving Princess Gwalen. So that does seem to be like the the most popular topic. True, true. I gotta say it. Like you could find out that you don't have to save Princess Gwalen to to beat this game. Yeah, that's the only side quest. It's bizarre, but like you know, since that's the first thing you're told to do, if you don't rescue Princess Gwalen, there's still a way to get the um. I think it's like are they crystals? I don't remember. But anyway, you need three of these things to like open up the the to get the rainbow. Yeah, I think they're just like artifacts or something. Yeah, yeah. And then and then that's how you get to the Dragon Lord's castle. But you don't need to save the princess to do that. Sean, I will argue that while that is a very straightforward side quest, if you will, there are some other things in this game that are completely optional, similar to your um the cave story you told where you were getting story uh, through the stone tablets in the first cave. You don't ever even have to go to that cave. So theoretically, like, yes, those things aren't side quests, but like there's missable armor that isn't like sold at shops. There's um, there's the fairy water that you can um, that you can pick up. Like yeah. these things aren't, uh, you know, they're given to you as hints in the game of like things to do, but they're not. Yeah, they're not quests. I will uh, admit that. Yeah, and I just think it's funny that that is the one thing that is sort of optional. Right, right. And and, and so there's like a couple different endings then in that case. There's 
the ending where you save Princess Gwalyn and defeat the Dragon Lord. There's the ending where you don't save Princess Gwalyn and you defeat the Dragon Lord. Or there's the even weirder ending where you save Princess Gwalyn and she makes you, she forces you. There's no way to refuse this option. You must carry her back to the castle. <laughs> but instead of going back to the castle, you just go defeat the Dragon Lord and you're carrying her <laughs> the entire game. Oh, okay. Wait, does the I game... I never even thought of that because... Does the game recognize when you, that? The game doesn't recognize... Like, they, they don't have a text thing oh. for it. They don't, they, but, but she will be in your arms during like the <laughs> ending sequence. That's funny. Yeah, I never really thought of that. I guess I went... Because when I... Because I saved the princess like a good warrior. And uh, and just... I I just walked straight back to the castle like a you know like a like an obedient player. <laughs> I didn't really think about all the other things I could do. I could just I could just go out and fight bad guys while while just carrying this this princess. And it was also funny to me that they just designed for that like one generally like one minute of gameplay where you go out to the castle they designed a whole new sprite of your character carrying the princess. It's but funny uh that like I think uh, if this were a more modern game that would just be like an achievement that would pop up. Uh, if you if you beat the game like that, I think one thing that we are missing about the story though is that the dragon, the dragon has stolen the like balls of light, which are what your ancestor Eredric could like use to defeat him. So I feel like that's why you can you can beat the game by defeating the dragon even if you don't save the princess because like you you want to you want to get you want to like stop him from bringing darkness to the land or whatever. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and the only difference is in the ending is just that she doesn't like um walk off with you or whatever. It's still the the king doesn't say like by the way, if you're feeling nice, you can still rescue the princess. Like they just don't acknowledge that she's never been saved and that she's uh locked away in, the, in from that other dragon because you have to defeat a different dragon to uh to save the princess. The other ending Though, and probably the one that the audience is screaming at me uh, to say, and don't worry, I know that it's a potential ending because I did it in my own game. Uh, the Dragon Lord, when you approach him, uh, still in his human form, he will offer you to just like, why don't we just rule this whole world together? Like, you were strong enough to get to me. Think about how strong we'll be together. And if you accept, the game kind of like questions you and is like, <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> and if you accept a second time, the Dragon Lord kind of says text that implies that he has now either uh, poisoned you or taken over your body or something. But basically, like, you got the bad ending. He does his whole evil laugh. The text goes to red, which is something that only happens when your HP is, like, yeah. really low. Um, the text goes to red. And you're stuck on that screen. You have to reset the console. You can't wow. even like do anything else. Uh, you must reset the console. So I hope you know That's you really saved funny. a little bit before that. <laughs> I, I I like that because it's a, it's a nice way of conveying that like the dragon was had so much control over you that he like broke you. He broke right. the world f from your perspective. I would have done that too. <laughs> Like if, yeah, it's just a fun <laughs> thing. You have to test the limits, right? You have to see, like, yeah. did they prepare for this or not? And I'm glad they did uh, in a in kind of a spooky way. Like, if you're playing this um, on an old TV with your NES and you're like, all of a sudden the text goes to red and he's laughing and you can't do anything in the game like you've lost control. That's kind of spooky. Yeah, I'd be spooked. It's like a creepypasta uh, almost. Yeah. yeah, like a creepypasta, exactly. 
And then another thing, you know, I was because I was saying I hope you saved kind of close to when that happened because otherwise you'd have to redo a lot of what you've done since you have to reset. Saving in this game, it's I mean, it's great that they have that instead of passwords because I can't imagine how long the passwords were. I think they were in the Famicom version. They had passwords. They did. But there's only one save location in the entire game, and it's back at the castle. I think Tangiel is the name of the castle, but um, did that bother you guys? Like, were you ever like, oh, I really wish that I could save right now, but I have to go all the way back to the castle? Or was the wings item, the item that just, like, you let you fly immediately back to the castle, was that enough? I wasn't bothered by it. I mean, I think the idea of a save point is, like, the convenience of it at this point is is good enough. Um, and the fact that the world isn't that huge is fine. Like, you, you should only really be going there... Um, what well, once you're sort of like out of um uh you're, you're out of resources so you're going to have to go back to a town regardless um so i and i think like the the sort of context of telling the king about like your progress like that is sort of uh uh immersive enough to to give it a pass for any potential uh inconvenience yeah, my my only my only gripe with it uh is that I wish that you were able to like save at inns just for like the immersion of it where it's like okay, where did I last leave off? Okay, I I I was at this inn at this town that's like that's theoretically on the other side of the world as the castle. So like I the, the idea that you have to basically start from like the start every play, you know, every time you pick up the game, start back at the castle. Sort of annoying, but I can't complain based on what we're used to from these NES games, which is normally like no saving. Um, I, I think it was fine, and I also like I did like the wings, and and I thought that this game did a good job of making you um, ration the items that you buy nicely. So I'd always make sure, like if I'm going far away, I got to stock up on you know not only not only uh, what are they what are the potions in this game, whatever they are, herbs and and you know uh, torches and whatever, but also wings so I can get back. And, and you know, keep all my gold and my progress and save everything. It's also nice that when you die in this game, it's not game over, hope you saved, good luck. You know, like you start from where you last saved. You just wind up back at the castle and I believe uh, your gold is cut in half, maybe even more. Um, but that's like a good trade-off that makes it still like, you know, oh, you might want to save. So this way, if you do die, you could just you know, not lose your gold and start back where you last saved. But it's also not like uh, everything counts. Like if I die right now, I'm I'm losing all my progress for the last four hours. Like that would suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I did start to feel it when I would when I would come close to dying or die when I was grinding to get a lot of money. And like what, at the times where like, okay, I need, you know, I need $1,700 or whatever, $1,700 money uh, for, <laughs> for this uh for this next sword and then i would get to like 1600 or 1500 or whatever and i would die and i would lose like 800 and i'd be like wow that is a ma- massive setback so like it, it i don't think that's a negative i think that that gave it gave that really gave it weight and, and gave you incentive to to treat dying like a serious thing even though apparently the king has the ability to say eh, i'll give you another chance at life 
Except uh, if you're wearing the death necklace, which is a cursed item that, like, is very, very hard to find, but apparently it sells for a ridiculous amount of money. Um, if you if you die with the death necklace on, you go back to the castle. Uh, first off, if you're wearing the death necklace, you can't enter the castle. You get kicked out by the guards, which I thought was, like, a nice touch. You can't even go in there to save while you're wearing this cursed item. But if you die... You only one HP is restored, and then you're immediately kicked back out of the castle. So I like that he's like, okay, well, he can't be dead, but like, let's just resuscitate him enough. <laughs> yeah, be- because I hate that death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, so I found that, uh, or I, if that's the only cursed item in the game, we found a cursed There's item. There's a different it. one. There's uh, the cursed belt. Oh, maybe it was that then. We found a cursed item in a in a dungeon. And it asked us, like, would you like to pick up this cursed item? And we looked it up and decided against it. But do you think it had you have not looked it up, would you have picked it up? Like, what were you leaning on? Um, I don't know. I think uh, cursed implies for me, like, you know, because I'm just thinking about how, like, people who didn't have guidebooks back in the day, how they would have played. Yeah. Cursed is definitely something you take a chance on, right? Like, oh, you know, it might have stat-boosting things but hurt you or something like that. I'm the kind of player who would not accept the cursed belt. Uh, it's funny because I, you, I think my curiosity might get the best of me where I would, might think, like, there must be some reason for this to be an option. That, like, there must be some some upside to it. And, and I guess if the upside is it can, it can pay out a lot if I sell it, uh, that's a good thing. But I, I don't know. For anyone out there who, who watches the last few seasons of Survivor... You'll know that uh, I've put a lot of thought into this kind of thing. I'm sure. Every, I'm sure a lot of our, there's a lot of crossover in our <laughs> listeners and and viewers of Survivor. Yeah, they're actually all exactly the same. They make up yeah. both entire demographics. They're every all named Survivor listener, Chauncey. watcher. You know, we haven't talked about the dungeons, you know, not that they're, like, as big as as other JRPGs have the, their dungeons. It is it is still the same thing, you know, you, you walk down there, it's completely dark, you need to light a torch or cast a spell. However, I would also argue that these dungeons are the hardest part of the game when it comes to navigating and dealing with enemies um, and just, I guess, resource management if you care about things like the herbs and stuff to heal yourself this was the part of the game that for me was the most challenging was just being in these dungeons um even with a guide just like counting how many spaces i had moved and making sure i was heading in the right directions you know this is where the game kind of i get what they were going for but it was it's weakest here yeah i i I don't i think the whole um the presentation of of any of the underground dungeons uh what was more annoying than it was uh putting me in a place like because if you're using a torch all you can really see is like one block in front of you um and and yeah it's like it makes it more of a maze and you have to sort of keep a a map of your environment in your head um and i know that there's a spell that sort of gives you a a wider field of view um, but I just I just found it more annoying than than interesting. I, but I guess that's also just me being lazy and not wanting to like make a map. <laughs> 
See, I didn't have a huge problem with the dungeons in this. Now, it sounds like you both beat the game. I beat the game Mike, many you... years ago, actually. I'm, oh. I'm playing my hand here, but I, I beat it on an original NES. Uh, not that, you know, we don't always play these games on the NES, but of course, I bought a copy of Stadium Events. What, what's bothering you? <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I really do own a copy of Dragon Warrior, like everybody else who owned Nintendo Power. And um, I did play this game the old-fashioned way, too, without any uh, fast-forwarding or anything, just the way it was intended, the way God intended it. Yeah. I, 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 I So I wonder from your perspective from having beaten it if 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 there were more dungeons after the point i had gotten to now now maybe this will get a little tedious but i'm trying to explain to you where how far i had gotten and there's there's it's it's on it's it's very far down south there's that town that is guarded by a golem do you know what I'm talking about? It's, yeah, it's, I know you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. So that is the last new town I got to, and then I spent the last few hours after that grinding to buy the sword and the shield that are in that town. Ha- am, have I gone through all the same dungeons you've gone through, other than I'm assuming the last one? Yeah. So I, I think you've actually been through at that point. You know, I might be mistaken, but I think you've been through almost every dungeon except for the final. Right, the final boss, uh, which which is a rather large dungeon, of yeah. course. But um, but just, no, I think you've experienced just as many as I have, and yeah, it's not it's not frequent. I agree with you. Uh, I was just noticing that like that's where the game is its least fun for me was like trying to get around both having enough MP to light up the um to light up the dungeon, navigating around the dungeon, dealing with the enemies, and also you know every other problem that you have with combat. Yeah. Well, so so just speaking then to to all of the dungeons except for obviously the last one, I, I didn't I didn't find them so annoying. I mean, they were like annoying in the way that they were meant to be annoying, but they didn't feel to me like poorly designed, annoying or like gameplay wise. Uh, where yeah, when I like the first few dungeons when I just had the torch, it was tough to to kind of go through it with with just the you know just seeing one tile in every direction and, and getting that some small little like field of view but that made it feel like it was like okay we all right we got to prepare and we got to get to this dungeon and like this is this is like a thing we're going on like a real dangerous quest and the you know you were able to i felt like it it incentivized you to to go to town and buy all the all your provisions and everything you need and make sure you're like well equipped and go into the dungeon and there were a couple that we had to like go back into and then it felt very satisfying to me to get that illumination spell or whatever it is that lights up the whole dungeon and and we didn't we didn't really map it out so we did get lost a little bit but we would just use the like hug the right wall strategy and just go through the whole dungeon like that um or like you know some other times we do some context like the the one we were talking about earlier that goes underneath the continents to from one continent to the southernmost continent uh just just looking at the the map and seeing like i guess we go south <laughs> you know and figuring that stuff out but um i don't know it didn't bother me so much I, I i kind of thought that the dungeons were a nice interruption to what otherwise was getting kind of tedious that's true yeah they would be noticeably blank without them so maybe maybe for me it was just about the um the maze like designs but i guess again that's just part of it you know it's just the point of of having a dungeon to begin with right like why wouldn't it be nicely laid out uh, i guess right, I, right. what's that i said right yeah 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 so it you know it is what it is uh, you know just to talk about the last dungeon for a minute it's not any more 
complicated than anything else. It's just, you know, the onslaught of the of the enemies that you're facing is just ridiculous. And that's where I really noticed, like, you know, more than ever, it was like, oh, yeah, this whole, like, magic thing that I've really only been using in situations of danger might be helpful to, like, pay more attention to. But the actual magic spells that you get in the game, like, damage-wise, right, like, things that are useful for attacks, you get hurt so early on. And then, like, you have, I think, the sleep spell and um, there's one other spell. That there's the stop to, like, spell. The stop right? spell. Okay. Stop yeah, spell yeah, yeah. spell. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know, uh, those, are, those are more, like, defensive things for you. But, like, the hurt more spell uh, that you get at level 19, like, that for me was the moment where all of a sudden I felt actually powerful in this game like yes the if you have the right items equipped like your attacks do enough damage but i don't know it feels cool to be like casting magic and with a name like hurt more um (laughs) you know like why not but like i don't know that actually felt like i was making like you know yeah i'm taking down these enemies that are really really strong and i'm gaining a ton of experience like watching your experience and gold counts go up like to really high numbers at the end of the game is fun and that's like for me that's when the the game was really clicking as like, oh, yeah, yeah, like it's fun to watch numbers go up and, and get strong. But I didn't feel like that through most of the game. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I feel like I felt miniature versions of that when I would go to a place that used to that used to be impossible for me to get through and find that I was strong enough. But it was so minuscule that it felt like the the hours of grinding to get to that point were not worth the satisfaction that it gave me when I got there. Yeah, and I beat um, the Dragon Lord at level 22, which um, apparently is not, like, a low level or anything. Apparently you could beat him. I mean, I'm sure, Sean, in your speed runs, the guy wasn't even, like... It was level 7. 7? Oh, my God. I, I know, like, level level 17 or something is, like, you, you can start to, like, if you're not thinking about, like, the actual strategies and RNG of the game. Like, level 17 is when you could theoretically take the Dragon Lord on. But I did it, you know, at 22, and I thought that was fine. Game lets you go all the way to 30, though, so again, like... If I was able to like pretty easily defeat the dragon at twenty two, I'd I'd love to see what somebody could do in thirty. <laughs> like how many? T- it probably doesn't even take that many turns of battle to, to defeat the dragon lord. Yeah, uh, you could probably run through anything on the map too. When we talk about the Dragon Quest series, I feel like one name always comes up, and that's uh, Akira Toriyama, who is also, you know, the creator of all things Dragon. Dragon Ball, Dragon Quest, um, and, you know, he does the designs for all the characters and stuff like that, and yet, I almost left him out of these show notes, because, you know, if you're playing the Western version, you don't even notice any of that stuff. Like, the probably, arguably, one of the most iconic parts of these games, the designs of the characters and the enemies, it's not on the box, because the box has taking the, the strong man's approach to, you know, even renaming the game from Dragon Quest to Dragon Warrior and trying to make something more fantasy-driven. seems like they want you to forget all about um, Akira Toriyama in this Western release of Dragon Warrior. This is the same artist as Dragon Ball? The same guy, the creator, the guy who created Dragon oh, Ball. Oh, I mean, I guess I can see that in, like, the background art and a lot of the enemy designs now that you say it, but I did not know that. Yeah, it's gotten to the point now with Dragon uh, Quest where, like, Dragon Quest Eleven, um, the most recent one, that is just Trunks. Uh, <laughs> the main character is just Trunks. That's not even, like, another person. It might as well ju- – they might as well just call them Trunks. Is there a Capsule Corp? There is not. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. But there's um, I'm saying because he looks so much like yeah. him. But there's also a lot of like Goku looking characters too. You know, the guy can't help himself. Akira <laughs> Toriyama also uh, did work on um, Chrono Trigger, which uh, you know it was like a, oh. a Square Enix joint. So it's not you know, well, it was Square Soft at the time though, right? It was before. Yeah, well, or was it Enix who made Chrono Trigger? Now I'm doubting no, it's myself. Square. It was Square. Square made Chrono Trigger before. Square made okay, yeah, yeah. So that, no, I'm saying that's pretty interesting then though that Toriyama would go. Away from Enix, uh, and make, make, uh, Chrono Trigger with them. But yeah, that's why Chrono looks a little bit like Goku too with the hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Goku's from the Garbanzo Chronicles, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Which, uh, yes, I remember that reference. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> from our Dragon Power episode, which is, again, like just shows you the refusal for Japanese acceptance here in the West at the time that like we couldn't you know we were all about dragons right like dragons are cool and definitely not Japanese that's just cool but when you start saying things like quest and ball you're like no get yeah, those things out like, no. like <laughs> it's all about power and warriors power warriors versus quest balls you tell me who wins yeah although like the, 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 the main MacGuffin of the story are still the balls of power that's true. The yeah, balls the, of light. The, well, the balls of light, right? <laughs> yeah, same thing. <laughs> Not balls of power. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, on the sequels and spinoff side here, just a couple things I wanted to talk about. Uh, Dragon Warrior is not. Uh, it's not over. We have three more sequels just on the NES, so we will play Dragon Warrior two, three, and four on this podcast. Is there anything that you guys are looking forward to? Like things you'd like to see them add? Uh, to the Dragon Warrior franchise for these other NES games, I'm I'm hoping there's more story uh, in in some of these, like at least more than just the <clears throat> template for a progress thing. <laughs> uh, I'd like some some more uh, NPCs that have names, maybe a party uh, companions. Yeah. Those would be cool things, story based stuff. Yeah, I mean, whenever I think of a game like this on the NES, like I guess I'm spoiled from having played the original Final Fantasy, and I'm expecting those kinds of things. Where like I feel like all that stuff you just mentioned are in that game. So, uh, can we just skip uh, yeah, the rest I'm, I'm and play Final that. Fantasy now? I'm also hoping for um, for just more things to interact with throughout the world. There, there, this is a like a nice world to explore, but nothing to find. Like, I, like if you're going to explore, I'd like yeah. to have some stuff to come across. Right, so if this game influences um, Square to make Final Fantasy, I'm kind of looking forward to what Dragon Warrior 2, 3, and 4 um, find in Final Fantasy to then influence their game, you know? Uh, will it just continue to be like, no, we're our own thing, like, we do we do this, or do they meet them in the middle somewhere? Are we going to see um, a party, uh, or are you always just going to be a singular hero? I look forward uh, to what those other games uh, have, because the other ones are expensive, so I don't own them. I only own Dragon Warrior 1 because, as I mentioned, it was included as, like, a reward for Nintendo Power subscribers, and I was not a subscriber back then, but that's why there's so many millions of copies of this game, and therefore it's easy to get one. If you want a copy of Dragon Warrior 4, you better be spending a ton of money, because, uh, or not. I mean, to get it for a deal to garage sale and then sell it fast. What do you want is me that, to tell you? I don't know. Is that sort of the order of release, like Dragon Warrior, then Final Fantasy, and then the rest of the Dragon Warriors? Yes, because we never got Final Fantasy 2 and 3. 
Yeah, on the, I just didn't know that oh, Final Fantasy came out before the rest of the Dragon Warriors. Yes, and um, to make it even more interesting, though, I, I can't say with certainty, but I'm I'm almost certain that Dragon Warrior 4 um, comes out before Final Fantasy 4, which would be Final Fantasy 2 on Super Nintendo. Um, uh. I know Dragon Warrior 4 is late in the NES life cycle, so maybe that's not true, and maybe it'll be like a very, very advanced NES game, but it also might still be too basic i don't know we'll find out um in 2016 the spinoff dragon quest builders was released and i know what you're thinking why would i skip all the other dragon (laughs) quest games and just talk about dragon quest builders but there is a reason dragon quest builders is the sequel to dragon warrior slash dragon quest one it is the story of what happens after the bad ending, where the hero accepts the <laughs> Dragon Lord's offer to join him and rule half the world. That's when you get a Minecraft clone. Whoa. That's what happens when you accept <laughs> wow. the Dragon Lord's offer. You get Minecraft for Dragon Quest. That's interesting. I had no idea. It's the very start of the game. There's very, uh, I mean, like, there's not very little plot, but there's not much plot um, outside of that. So. Uh, you know, I think like that's that's a fun little Easter egg thing. And, you know, like I'm all for that. I think Dragon Quest Builders 2 does the same thing, but with the bad ending of um, of the second game. I, I, I can't promise that because I don't know what the <laughs> ending of the second game is because I never played it. But I would love to see them just continue to do that. So these games are just sort of showing like a purgatory sort of thing for uh, the 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 character if they did the bad things right if you did the bad thing then unfortunately you know the world would go to shit and then it'd be up to these builders to rebuild the world to be good again oh so you don't play as the the bad man uh no oh, no okay that'd be funny yeah, yeah. you're playing as somebody who's like you know hey we gotta we gotta clean this shit up <laughs> <laughs> that's like such a direct response to what happens in this game and it's not just right. like, this is what happened next it's like oh we gotta think of how the gameplay would change <laughs> <laughs> yes yes very true and you know since i played dragon warrior a few years ago and beat it i was trying to think about what my contribution other than replaying it could be this time and so i wanted to briefly talk about the best way to play dragon warrior today because i don't think it's the nes version all right so yes there's the nes version and you could go through and and um and play it with original hardware or you know on um the nintendo switch i think even has uh it's like three three dollars and fifty cents or something like that you could just download it solo so there are options to play it the original way. There's the MSX version, uh, which is not a recommendation at all from me. Uh, it's, it's actually bizarre that it even came out for another console other than the Famicom slash Nintendo uh, Entertainment System. But it, that exists nonetheless if you want to try like a wacky alternate take a, at the pixels and sprites and stuff like that. But there's the Game Boy Color version, which uh, includes Dragon uh, Quest 1 and 2, and this Game Boy Color version is just a huge quality of life update thing where um, you can quick save the game anytime outside of a battle. You get the ability to store your gold, so this way you don't have to worry about losing it. The um, the menu system, no more like press the doors button uh, or the stairs <laughs> oh, thank button. God. Yep, that's all gone. It's amazing that this is happening in a Game Boy game, yeah. though, right? Like the Game Boy is supposed to be an even weaker version of the NES, and yet here we are. And also. The most important part, the the moment of truth here, monsters 
yield, more experience, and gold across every single battle in the game. They basically just added a multiplier of two formula to everything. So now everything gives you double what it gave you. So you really progress through the game so much faster. It absolutely reduces the grinding. There are a couple of other like um, updates too. Like I think you can actually choose to equip um, your items and armor rather than the uh, the way the game works in the in the NES version. You just Whatever you buy, you just immediately put on. I don't. We didn't really talk about that, but yeah. I didn't find it. Yeah, you have like, to sell the clothes off your back after you get something yeah. else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you can only carry one of each thing, which I guess is more realistic. It's like, where's everyone carrying all their extra <laughs> yeah. armor in these other right. JRPGs? Um, but yeah, it didn't feel like a burden because everything was just always like, this is the next best this armor. Is better. It's not like, yeah, it's not yeah. like it like this does one thing and this does another. It's just like they all do the same things, but each one does the, does it better than the last one. So might as well just get rid of your old one. And if for some reason you don't like the Game Boy Color and uh, you don't want to play on like a small little screen or whatever, there's only one more option for you, but it is the best option. And that is the Super Famicom version of Dragon Warrior slash Dragon Quest 1. And that has all the same upgrades as the Game Boy Color, except for it has that beautiful 16-bit pixel art that, like, honestly still looks good today. Um, I can't believe they basically remade the entire game, uh, redrew all the art and everything, and uh, it is fantastic to play on uh, a, granted, translated version. I do not know Japanese. I cannot play this. You'll have to look for a fan translation of it. But that version, for me, is the definitive version to try this old game if you're interested in trying it. But that's not to say that this NES version isn't worth playing either. That's something that we need to figure out right now on the Essential Games List. Sean, Dragon Warrior, not Dragon Quest. Your thoughts? Well, um... Since this is another genre that I have uh, quite a bit of experience in, and uh, I just like the rest of you guys, um, I'm almost sort of looking at this in the same way that I was looking at the early sports games, where uh, in addition to all of those like remakes and remasters and spinoffs and 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 sequels, uh, like there's just so much. Of, of this game that, that's just around. <laughs> um, and I think that with all the other options, as much as I appreciated seeing the beginning of, of the, the modern day JRPG in this game, uh, I don't think I enjoyed it all that much. So I, I, I can't just put it on there for posterity that this is granddaddy. Because uh, I didn't really have all that much fun with it. So I can't put it on the essential games list. Fair enough. Joe, your vote. I think I think anyone who listens to the podcast would know by now that I, I love a good world. I love a good world. I love a good adventure. And that's why since starting, you know, the, starting this this journey, I've just wanted uh, I've I've been itching for JRPGs like this. Like this is the kind of thing that 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 I've been expecting on the NES and I you know when I, when we when we first started I did not expect it all to start coming so late in in you know in the process but yeah I think even more particularly I liked seeing these old JRPGs I like seeing the like 
the the kind of like bare bones of it, not gameplay wise, but like graphics wise and and the way that they get around those um the limitations of the time and everything. Uh, so because of that, I mean, I did have a really good time with this game, and and, and I think that I would. I would say that if you're a person who has just played the first 205 games on the NES and you want to keep playing more games on the NES, that this is an essential game. But if you're anyone else, no, it's not an essential, it's not an essential game. If you, if you're looking at pretty much every other JRPG I've ever played and comparing it to this, like most of them, I think are going to be more accessible and more enjoyable than this game like i like i was enjoying this game because i think a lot of it was finally a a jrpg on the nes and like oh i get to see how they did this and even though like it's all grinding and it's all this like all these things that i would normally complain about i I had a little bit of rose-colored glasses throughout it all but if i'm looking at it and if i'm really looking at like at the experience as a whole like the yeah, it was mostly a grind with these like little elements that I'm familiar with that I'm excited about in between grinding, grinding, and grinding, and and there were just a lot of a lot of things that could have been tightened and and will in the future, you know, be be uh, added to by you know, I'm assuming by future Dragon Warriors and also by other JRPGs that come along and other things that kind of that kind of take this base and add to it. So long story short, no, not essential. If you're really interested in RPGs, you know, I, I don't think this is an unfun game. It's just not particularly like really fun either. The one thing, and it's hard to talk about because you know you can't appease everybody when when you talk about uh, their favorite games or their least favorite games or games they don't care about. But that is a thing that happens specifically with JRPGs is that there is a whole group of people who love video games who will never, ever play a JRPG. It's a genre that they just do not enjoy. The tropes aren't fun. The turn-based, like, I pick my move, the enemy does his move, that doesn't resonate with them either. And, like, you know, these people are definitely not going to be happy with a a game like dragon warrior that i think we all kind of agreed is just laying down like the most basic way to to play this kind of game lay out like almost the 10 commandments of the jrpg genre be like you know thou must level up thou must have random encounters you know like they're they're laying out groundwork (laughs) what's that even with that language too Yes, with that language, yeah. You know, they're laying down all this important groundwork. But um, historical importance isn't what, like, the essential games list is built on. So, like, when you see Dragon Warrior being talked about, don't say, oh, I hate that game, it's so boring, it's so bland, blank from 12 years later or 30 years later or 50 years later, did it so much better, because that's not how, like time works like this one lays the groundwork right and so it's important for those reasons but we're also not disrespecting it by saying that it doesn't belong on the essential games list because it doesn't it's it's too far back now you know it's almost like saying you know um why isn't pong on like everybody's favorite games of all time list it's so important it's like because most people today wouldn't care if they saw pong in the corner of their bar they wouldn't be like i gotta play that right now i can't talk to you pong's in the room 
Like, no, but we can all understand how important it was. It's the same thing with Dragon Warrior. And so I totally understand this game is not for everybody. But I do think, like, what they've, what they've put up here, you have to respect, understand, and um, appreciate. So I, I totally get what Joe's saying. If you've been following the whole line of games that we've been playing, or even just following the podcast in any regards, and you don't like JRPGs, you have to spend a little bit of time with this one to understand where the whole thing was laid down, where where it started from. And that's uh, that's Dragon Warrior to me. You know, it clearly um, has the groundwork for what so many RPGs are going to do, but time has not been kind to the concept of Dragon Warrior. And I will be shocked if Dragon Warrior 2, um, 3, or 4 don't prove to be more worthy of consideration for the Essential Games list. I do think Enix will continue to make these games bigger and better, and that 2, 3, and 4 won't fall to the same reasons that 1 just fell. I think I think those ones will be open to more consideration. And, and just to illustrate Mike's point a little bit more in terms of like, like what makes an Essential Game, if... If I were to walk into a bar and I was to see like an inexplicable Spiver spy cabinet, I 100% would tell my friends to go fuck themselves because I had to go play that and I wouldn't speak <laughs> to them for the rest of the night. Well, at least one friend you would have to have with you for Spivers. Yeah, that, well, you could play against a computer, but like that's Yeah, no, no I know, but I'm saying like, think about that. You're at the bar. It's like now's the perfect time uh, to experience Spivers. <laughs> but we spy wouldn't talk. At a bar. Yeah, well, you also don't need to bring your friend with, with you because if there's Spivers spy at a bar, you can assume that I'll be there also. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. All right, that's been uh, this week's episode of Nostalgia. It was Dragon Warrior, if you're just tuning in. But <laughs> next that week, how it works. <laughs> <laughs> they're just tuning into this live episode. Yeah. Next week, we're doing another long episode because it's Faxanadu. I think that's how you say the game. Maybe the X is silence. Maybe it's Fahanadu. Um, maybe it's not even do like that. Maybe it's Faxanadu. I don't know. We're going to find out because the best part of any episode is where we figure out what the title of the game is. That's the most important part. That's the part we do right after the Essential Games list. We vote on whether we can all agree what the title is. And if we haven't been doing that, we're going to start doing that. So that's the show, and that's what's next week. But if you want even more nostalgia content, go to www.nostalgicast.com and read really old articles (laughs) and maybe one new one. Maybe. Maybe there will be one new one um, by the time of this episode. But there's also a huge list on there on the very front page of people that we are thanking. And you're like, oh, that's weird. Why am I on that list? Well, you probably are. But you also might not be because it's only for our patrons. And that's because we now have a Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash nostalgia. And for just a buck, you can get your name on a website that probably gets about 35 clicks a month. Hey, And I think... That's that's you you know like that's unique. Yeah. Anybody can get their name on Google. In fact, I could Google you <laughs> right now and find out a lot about you. But how many people can get their name on the Nostalgia website? I don't know. Sounds like sounds like some clout if I was you, you know? Maybe we maybe we every month we digitize the website as an NFT and then sell that. Hey. Now we're cooking with gas. I'm saying. I'm saying. Uh that's it. Uh, That's all I'm really going to say. I'm going to stop saying things now.